Welcome to the As Told By You podcast. Uh, today we are here with Heather uh, Singleton and we're going to talk to her a little bit about uh, what she does and um, she's got a consultancy business. She also works with uh, some of the nonprofits that we work with and so uh, it's really exciting to have her on the show. So welcome, Heather. Thank you guys so yeah. much for having Thank me. I'm excited. Yeah. So uh, so tell us a little bit about what you do, you know, what, where are you at right now and, uh, and how did you get there? Yeah, so um, last year I got this crazy idea where I decided I didn't want to be a freelancer anymore. Um, that was like a spare job, like a, a in the meantime job, um, paid the bills, but that was where my passion lied. Uh, and so PR has always been in me, like media has always been a part of who I am. Um, I tell this story that the first time I realized that I was designed to be in media was when I was nine and I was in my elementary school classroom and they were doing like the live, sh the live show, um, the TV broadcast, like WSPE. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be on that show. Um, and from then on, you know, I just had an affection towards media, whether it be radio or TV or writing or anything of the sort. Uh, so all of that balled into wanting to do freelance in 2014. Last year I made the decision that I wanted to create something bigger. I wanted to go bigger. I wanted to do more and I wanted to step out. So what I ended up doing was creating an LLC for my work that I had been doing and I started strategic public relations consulting. And at the time I was working with a major nonprofit in the area and still doing my, my thing, you know, keeping the lights on, but also building my clientele as well. Uh, and then and in January, uh, I made the decision that I'm going to go fly solo and I'm going to make the big leap. And so since January, things have been going full steam. Uh, my PR consultancy has just been um, a blessing in disguise in a lot of different ways. And I've gotten to really get a chance to get to know a lot of folks in the Midlands community from it. Um, so just so that we have this this understanding of what public relations is. Of course, we all know that it's like the earned media. Like, how do we keep people talking about you, what you're doing, why you're doing it, what is your story? And uh, I realized that there was such a void in a lot of companies' business structures where they're not they're not well-versed in how to make sure that their customers are treated fairly, that their customers are um, pleased with the services, but then also that their employees are pleased with where they're working. Um, I, long, long, long time ago, I worked for a major grocery store in the area and uh, they had this thought that if you took care of your employees, the customers will come. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those things that I, I've kind of let be ingrained in me because PR is all about making sure that the story is being told and it's being done so effectively. Culture. Culture. Yeah. That's what it's about. That's really what it's about. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great. Uh, so we got to we got to know you through United Way and working with United Way, and I think it's okay to say that, Joey. I think it's okay <laughs> to say that. Um, so uh, so tell me where you're at now. So you're working with Central Carolina on a contract. Tell me tell me about that. Yeah. So I get this great opportunity to help those counties that are in South Carolina who've been struggling because of the pandemic um, with finding resources so that their um, constituents in those counties are actually 
fed, their basic needs are met, they have access to the COVID-19 vaccination and those kinds of things. So uh, I started that project uh, February 1, and it's actually been a wonderful experience getting to meet nonprofits in the communities who are helping people already, but who don't have the means or the resources in order to continue that work. And so that's where uh, Central Carolina Community Foundation and the 1SC Fund COVID response comes in. So tell me a little bit about uh, PR for nonprofits, um, because I think that's an interesting combination of things. Yeah, I think it, it like when you think of PR, it, it I, for me, at least I start thinking about like the PR people, the firms in LA who are getting the Hollywood, uh, Hollywood celebrities out of trouble and spinning stories that, you know, make people look better than they really are. That's the first kind of impression I have of PR. And to think about it in the nonprofit realm is very interesting to me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we think of PR folks as the spin doctors, mm -hmm. um, and they are the crisis manage management people who just make sure that these knuckleheads aren't getting in any more trouble and all those kinds of things. But when you do research, you find that there's distrust in public relations individuals, like people who actually operate in the field. Um, but with nonprofits, it looks a little different. Of course, crisis management does play a role, you know, having secessions plans and emergency and contingency plans and helping them to create those things. But it's also telling the story of the nonprofit. How are you effective? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why is the mission so important to who you are as an individual um, and who you are as a nonprofit? Uh, so that also looks like fundraising. And so for a lot of folks, they, they shy away from fundraising because, oh, I don't want to ask folks for money. But you know, how else will you continue the mission, right? Um, how else will you be able to get donors who are invested in the work that you're doing? How do you tell the story about little Johnny who you know, wasn't reading on grade level and now he can with the thanks of your dollars, you know, those kinds of stories are what we're looking to put out there in the community. Um, philanthropy is a major part of who I am as a person uh, and it's no secret, I've, I've told this story a million times while I was working at United Way, but um, in my childhood and even in my adulthood, I have a story of being assisted by nonprofits in the community that help my family make ends meet. And so for me, PR isn't just a job, it's sharing the story of those who are helping people like me to become the successes that they are today. I think that's such a critical point too, because we, we talk about that with clients all the time that you know, the nonprofits that do the best for, for people are usually the ones that know how to talk about it, know how to get out there and know how to put their story out. And I think what you're saying, as opposed to the typical perception of PR is that good PR is having a good culture, having a good, a good story to tell, not spinning something that's not so good, right? But telling a good story that is actually good and, and making sure that you're hitting the right audience with that story. Exactly. So in that regard, right, we have, whether you're, we have the two sides that were PR we're talking about, but in the same sense, you have to be able to make relationships with the media outlets in order to get the message out. Right. And that's something that's different than just traditional marketing because traditional marketing, we put an ad out, we you know, put some flyers out, we send emails. So what, do you, what kind of techniques do you use to get ingrained with some of the media outlets in the Columbia market 
so they can pick up the stories. Um, developing authentic relationships. I think that that's the big key there. Um, I have some really great stories of when I was working at United Way and ironically, just, just so happenstance or divine intervention, um, some of my campaigns were the media companies. So, you know, getting to know folks like Darcy Strickland and getting to know the folks over at WLTX and at iHeartRadio, that was one of the things that really brought me joy because I was able to get things from a different perspective, um, not working in media myself, uh, but actually just having that passion of not only the media piece and observing everything that media does, but also the passion to build relationships and being authentic in those relationships. Um, one of the great uh, executive producers of WLTX or former executive producers has this wonderful story that talks about visibility and how visibility is power. And um, her name is Rashonda Pratt and she does a great job of articulating what the media is looking for when they're searching for stories. What are the stories that are catching their eye? What are things that folks need to know more about? And how can we get that in front of the general public? That's interesting. I, it, I think um, what's kind of cool about this, the environment right now is that it used to be that a few people held, you know, held the connection, the communication with everybody. Um, Tell me what media means in 2021. What, you know, what, what is the media now? So you mentioned LTX, and I think those are important. You know, Willow and LTX and WIS and, and Watch are, you know, kind of our traditional media outlets. What else does it mean right now? I, I feel like there's so many ways for people to become their own media outlet if they can, if they can figure out how to do that. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you even see it here with you guys becoming media outlets as podcasters, right? right. Um, media looks different in 2021. Um, media looks like social media. Media looks like still a little bit of print. I mean, they say print is a dying medium, but I personally enjoy flipping through magazines, looking through newspapers. I don't know, maybe it's nostalgia. Uh, but at any rate, I believe that media looks like um, you know, how you're able to get messaging across. So that doesn't necessarily mean stay in a box with TV and radio as we've known in, you know, years past, but that looks like using YouTube. Um, Facebook now has a feature where you can have your own Facebook watch channel. Um, these are different outlets that folks can use in order to get their stories across. Um, and I think that in this current climate, we as people who work alongside media are seeing a lot of uh, public distrust in the media. And that's why you're seeing so many organic mediums being formed. People can get on their soapbox on their Facebook lives or their Instagram lives and talk about what's important to them. And we're seeing that there are more podcasts being created because folks are listening to more voices. It's not just the restriction of TV and radio and print as we've known it. And I think, I think too, as I follow Darcy Strickland and Judy Gatz and a couple of people on Facebook, and I see them um, engaging with the, the public, you know, in a way that I don't think they've done up until the last few years where this has become important. So when Darcy Strickland posts something on her Facebook, it's typically a news story and people will engage with her and she will kind of moderate the news story, which I think is a really interesting way of of sort of interacting with people. Um, I'm, I'm curious, 
with, especially with nonprofits, because we work with a lot of nonprofits and it's a, it's a big thing for us, mainly because they have great stories to tell, so we don't have to concoct something like we talked about, you know, it's just, a, just sharing what's actually happening. But how does a, uh, a company or a nonprofit use PR to their advantage right now? How does that, how does that, how do you get a news story about you? <laughs> That's a really great question. Um, a good news story. Yeah, good, I mean, like, yeah, I mean yeah. obviously, I, there are lots of ways to get a news story about you. Exactly. Just a good news story, not something where they're telling a terrible thing about what you did. Oh, yeah, because you hear folks say, well, all PR is good PR. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> let's, like, let's smash that right now. Right. Um, but I think that um, what Darcy and Judy and the like are doing is creating a, an area of relatability, mm -hmm. right? Um, especially at a time where there is so much media distrust, they're allowing folks to share in their conversations that wouldn't necessarily have that opportunity, um, you know, in the traditional media settings. Uh, when I think about folks back from, because I'm born and raised in Charleston, so WCSC is what my family watched, and so if I think about Debbie, Debbie Chard, you know, just having a conversation with somebody on social media, like my childhood brain would not be able to function in that. Um, but when you're looking at um, PR and media and how nonprofits engage, having that clear, concise story is what makes the difference. Giving folks that teaser or what we like to call the elevator speech as to why your nonprofit's important and why they should be supported. And even telling like these stories about little Johnny um, and putting a name with the face and a name with the story, it makes a difference. And it allows room for more media to flourish, right? So if I have a really great um, communications message, then that's something that's bite-sized and it can be a teaser for somebody like an LTX or a WIS or a podcaster. Um, and then that opens the doors for more stories to develop. Hmm, interesting. If you don't have that connection to media, what platforms do you trust or what do you, I mean, you said Twitter, that's certainly one thing. Uh, what platforms do you trust for, for getting PR out there? Um, so for individual branding and your individual PR, I trust Twitter because Twitter is one of those ones where you can actually um, get to know someone, right? Like, yeah, you see like the funny stuff like Wendy's and all those guys that, you know, have their, their culture shining through and they're the funny guys on Twitter. But really for me, I feel like Twitter gives people a chance to see you authentically in action and you are able to um, let people get to know who you are. Uh, but for just general business and, and business PR, nonprofit PR, Instagram is really great for telling stories, for sharing um, content, especially when you have like videos. And now with IGTV, you can go live for an extended period of time and it'll show up on IGTV. Um, and I think the cool thing that Facebook has bought Instagram and has now kind of, they've merged some of their different techniques together. Uh, I think that that combination serves PR well. Um, Instagram is probably my favorite of the platforms though, because you can tell stories, you can have reels, which are really short. Um, you can be funny, you can be serious, you can be um, intentional. Uh, and I think that that's probably the best platform. Now for podcasting and, and just other general videos, that kind of thing, I'm a YouTube girl. Like I spend most of my days watching YouTube and you can fall down a rabbit hole very easily. Oh, yes. um, but I follow a lot of um, public relations folks on, on YouTube and watch a lot of their, their content. Um, 
trying to stay up to date with some of the things. So if you think about platforms, uh, one of the things we discuss a lot is that I want to, I always want to try to keep an eye out for, you know, where, where is the world going, right? Because there was, you know, there was a time where Facebook wasn't a thing, then it became the new thing and now it's the old thing. And that happened really fast. Yeah. Um, I think, is it, is it valuable, you think, to, uh, to, to follow those new platforms, Clubhouse and you know, TikTok and whatever else comes up, to, to make sure that you're, you're hitting that, uh, that curve as it happens? Or do you feel comfortable that the old guard, as I call it, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, are going to be, Twitter, are going to be um, stable platforms for us? Because obviously the audience is bigger. But I do find that the engagement is less on Facebook, especially right now. Um, after all of the political stuff, you know, kind of drove a lot of people away from Facebook. What, what do you, what do you see those platforms moving into the future? Um, I think TikTok started as something that was going to be like just for fun and like something enjoyable if you just need to tune out the world for a little bit. Um, but now you're seeing this emergence of business owners who are using it to their advantage. I can't tell you how many times that I've seen like folks who are de um, interior decorators who are like, this is how I made, you know, this really great candle holder. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can follow them and um, follow their journey as they create new content, new products, those kinds of things. So I think TikTok actually has a lot of really great pieces to it that people can use for PR. I mean, it's short clips and you can develop a, a following. I mean, it's it's kind of like a no-brainer at this point. Um, I personally don't really like the clubhouse scene, but that's just my personal thoughts. Um, I think that if done correctly, Clubhouse is a platform for you to tell your story and to prove yourself as a business and as a brand. Um, but you know, you got to kind of weed through some of the some of the stuff. Well, and I and I'm a as I mentioned, I'm a Gen Xer, so I have an Android phone, so oh, um, I so can't I can't get on yet. I can't get on Clubhouse. It's they don't allow old people on it, so that's unfortunate. It's whatever, you know. It's, <laughs> it's fine. I still have a functional phone, which is good, uh, but I can't get on Clubhouse. He uses a dial. I, it's <laughs> oh, important. Not the rotary phone. Yeah, yeah. It's important to do that. Um, ones that light up when they when when they call. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's because I, I can't hear it, you oh, know. Nice. So yeah, it's it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but that's that's how it goes. You'll get there too. So, you know, we, we look at, uh, you know, the, the story being um, the medium, you know, f so, so from, a, from a marketing standpoint, you know, from a kind of inside baseball uh, standpoint, I think it's so important that, um, that we know that, that the right marketing message will make a nonprofit money, right? So. So the way we look at it is that you know just like the old thing, it's not it's it's not a um, it's not a cost; it's an investment, right? Um, but um, I think we realize that once once you can make a donor or a volunteer, because volunteers are real important to make an emotional connection to um, a nonprofit and their direction and their story and their uh, their effect, really, really, because that's what we're talking about. It's not what we intend to do; it's what we do, right? is what we make happen. Um, I think that's something that a lot of nonprofits don't focus on enough, is that the more they tell their story, the more the visibility, like you said, they get, the more donors and, um, and volunteers they can get. Because that's kind of, we've recognized over the years that that's the lifeblood of any nonprofit is donors and volunteers. Yeah. And as long as they can 
keep regenerating that, they can keep having the effect. Um, talk about your consulting business a little bit and what direction you're going to take that and, and what's that looking like and what's the future look like for that? So my consulting business is my baby. Um, people have asked me in recent times, like, what do you do like, when you're hanging out? And I was like, what is hanging out? I don't know what that means. Um, because I spend so much time nurturing it and also developing myself as the principal consultant. Um, so for strategic public relations consulting, that looks like internal and external communications practices. And so I say that and a lot of folks are like, well, what? that doesn't tell me anything. And I'm like, well, you know, think about the the grocery store that i mentioned right and it's no secret if you ever shop there it's public supermarkets where shopping is a pleasure like clearly right mm -hmm. um but when you're looking at internal and external communications that's going to look a little different for each entity that you're working with um, when you're thinking about businesses um, and even with nonprofits, you know, developing that culture is important and it's impactful. Um, what is going to keep your employees happy? So that looks like um, customer service assessments. You know, how are you internally handling customer service? That looks like building culture. It looks like focus groups and all those kinds of things. Um, when you're talking about the external piece, that's more of like your digital marketing, your media, your messaging, those kinds of pieces. And then um, finally, the fundraising piece that, again, so many folks shy away from, but it's a necessary thing. And one time I remember having a conversation with someone in sales and I'll never forget. And they said, well, why do you focus on, you know, sales and fundraising? Like, why is this a, a major part of you? And I, you know, simply mentioned that when you can articulate a mission and you can make somebody really think about the problems of our communities and who's in place to solve them, they'll make that connection. The goal for investor relations, as I like to call fundraising, is making sure that you have compounded investors, like folks that are not only giving dollars, but they're giving their time, they're giving their talents, and they're wor working alongside the staff to make sure that the messages are getting out and that the programs can be sustained. So that's what SPRC does. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, good. That's an elevator speech right there. <laughs> you got it. Yes. You nailed it. All yeah. right. But talk to us a little bit about the business plan. Like, yeah. who's your audience? Who are you targeting? Who are you trying to get in front of in order to get more clients, more business, an assistant? Like, <laughs> Lord, I need an my assistant needs an assistant. Yeah. Um, so my business is geared towards businesses, nonprofits, and political entities. So for me, that looks like helping the next, you know, the next councilwoman get into their seat. That looks like helping a nonprofit that has a mission statement and they have values, but they have no roadmap. Helping them to come up with that development plan. That looks like digital media and marketing for um, one of my newest clients who I absolutely adore. Uh, it, she has a, a maternity store that is consignment and it's an online e-store. So helping her to get in front of folks. What does your digital messaging look like? How can we engage folks through email and text and all these other things? So those are the entities that I work with specifically. Um, and you know, I get calls and, and emails from folks that fall outside of those wheelhouses which is fine, but then, you know, there are a lot of great PR agencies in the Midlands area, and I just kind of pass them on because you have to maintain that focus on what your, your specialty is. Yeah, that's cool. I, I, I had a question when we were talking about the internal PR and, and, and working on culture, um, because I know that one of the reasons why, it, where I live, there's a Publix across the street from a food line, okay? 
we always go to Publix. We pay a little bit more for our groceries because for some reason, I feel better about myself when I'm in Publix. I don't feel like, I don't feel like Food Line is there to help me. They're just there with some groceries if I want them. And so there's so many times where I've gone into Food Line because the traffic was bad and it was on the right side of the road. Um, and you stand in a long line and nobody really asks you any questions and it's like, you know, you don't feel taken care of in a food line and it's such a, um, I mean, whatever, food line, <laughs> call me, we can work on this. Um, yeah, we're here to support we're, Like, yeah, why aren't, why aren't we helping you, exactly. food line? Um, but I think, uh, I think it's an interesting idea that uh, because of the culture of Publix, because of the fact that I know that if I need help with something, someone is going to drop what they're doing and help me. And um, I feel like they put the, the right people, um, you know, same thing with Costco. I don't know, you know, you've been in, like Costco will take a, a line of a hundred people and they'll just go through so fast. Everybody's super polite, right on top of it. They put their best people on the cashier, you know, because they know that it's, it, you need to get through there quickly and efficiently. And I had, I don't think I've ever waited in Costco for very long. Opposite to Sam's. When you go into Sam's, it's like a, it's a cluster getting up to the thing and, you know, I, I think internal culture is so important with people, and that's not something that we've talked about, I don't think, mm -hmm. on the, but I think it's so important that, that uh, a lot of times the way you're perceived externally and referrals and all of that kind of stuff comes from how they make you feel while you're, while you're interacting with them. I think it's the same with nonprofits as it is with publics. But do you think it's partially like, we're talking about big corporations with yeah. lots of employees. Right. And that's a much different than, you know, the boutique on Main Street that has two employees. Right. Yes, they're still creating a culture. They're still having a feeling as you walk in. But their reach of referral base, that internal, you know, I, I'm, you know, carrying the public's flag. I'm, that, that doesn't happen because there's not anybody, there's not enough people. But I think, as and I, I was going to ask you a question. It wasn't going to be just me and Brian talking about it. Um, but I think that I think it's important that, uh, that that there was a story in a book I read called um, QBQ. I don't know if you've read QBQ, but uh, it's called the question behind the question. And um, a guy went to a, a restaurant and ordered a diet coke, and all they had was diet Pepsi. So the server went to the gas station down the corner and bought him a Diet Coke and brought it back down to him and he hired him for his big company. You know, it was a story about that level of customer service is what culture is all about. So that boutique, as an example, with two employees, if you, if you empower your employees to make the client happy, like, you know, focus on the client coming away from there with, a, with an amazing experience regardless, I think that's what Publix kind of does and Chick-fil-A and all of these companies that have that 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 reputation for amazing customer service, it's because they in, they empower their employees to go over and above the call of duty to make sure things happen. When you go to Zaxby's and they charge you twenty five cents for an extra sauce, you know you you don't feel taken care of. You know what I mean? Taking you for granted. Right. I don't. I mean, I'll pay that twenty five cents, but come on. I mean, you know, like yeah. why? Like why are we why are we ha having to have the conversation? You know, just give me the sauce. Um, but I think, I think you can do that with the boutique. And I think, you know, we try to do that with, you know, with clients. And, and so talk about that internal culture a little bit, because I think that's a, a real critical element that a lot of people miss. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and I have an HR background. I, when I was working at Publix, um, I was the administrative coordinator for my store. Shout out to the Gervais Street store. Woot, woot. Um, but I think that one of the things that I took away from that was um, a passion for training and really having conversations with people to understand how they're feeling and how we can streamline processes, how we can be more effective internally, how we can listen to each other better. Um, because the person who's working in the deli may see struggles and issues that our customers are facing, but they don't have, um, if they don't feel like there is an open door policy or if they can express that opinion, um, then that need goes by the wayside and you don't have the problem uh, solved, you know? So that's that's the big issue. Um, do your employees feel like they can come to you? Are they are they feeling open to change? Um, you know, are, sometimes you find these nonprofits or even for-profits that struggle with change and how um, they really take change in. Um, but when I think about even, and I'll give you guys an example, when United Way moved from uh, when United Way moved from the Main Street location to the new building on Blanding, they brought in a consultant to help us go through change, mm -hmm. right? Because change is something that happens. Um, you can't you can't thwart it. Like it's necessary. You can't grow if you can't evolve. Um, and so when companies take a look at how folks are reacting to change, how they're reacting to um, you know a new process that you have to implement or um, a new structure that needs to be put in place. If they are not feeling as though they're heard about their concerns surrounding change or surrounding everyday practices, then they f can often feel like they're being taken for granted. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but when I have an attitude, like my work is trash. <laughs> when I, like I, I just, I'm, I'm not great at producing. Like I just, I, I can't get my copy to sound like what it needs to sound like. The voice is off because I've got that you're not going to tell me mm -hmm. type of voice, right? Um, so I think... Well, and that translates to the external, yeah. you know, yeah. So people perceive your 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 organization based on that. Exactly. Right? How exactly. your how your people perceive internally is how the how the external perceives. I think that's that's really cool. Um, and I, we got to work on culture. So that's something we we should make a note about that work on culture internally if you know what your values yeah. are how can you implement that in everyday strategy mm -hmm. right right like how do your values and your missions shine through what is as told by like right yeah. so you know you've got an amazing staff here mm -hmm. um, everybody's super pleasant super nice and and they do the great work um, that is necessary but often ask the questions see how they're doing mm -hmm. um, see what drives them I think that that also helps with pivoting to the next level of the business, understanding what drives your employees. You know, some folks that come to work, they're like, listen, I just, I'm just here to collect a check. Like, mm -hmm. don't bother me. And that's fine. That's not, that might not be your target audience within that group. Of course, you still want to appeal to them. Um, but for the ones that say, you know, I'm not sure what my future looks like. I don't know what my future with the company looks like in the next five, 10 years. Um, those are the ones that you're looking to shape. Those mm -hmm. are the ones that uh, see that there is some sort of value, uh, but they just don't necessarily know where they fit into that conversation or where they fit into the mold of your business. So that's where you, you find your sweet spot. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's, that's, and it's a conversation we haven't had yet with people. I think this is it's really cool stuff. Um, I want to ask you about 
two words that Brian and I struggle with in our company as far as like external communication and PR. And it's, and it's when we were first kind of formulating our ideas here, it's two words that we kept coming back to as, as core values for us, but, but they, become, they become kind of meaningless in the marketplace. And one of them is authenticity and the other one is story. Because so many people use the word authenticity, so many people use the word story, and it, and it doesn't really mean anything to people. And so um, I would love to, especially authenticity, because that's what we're talking about really, right? Is especially for nonprofits. In reality, it makes a huge difference, right? For you to be authentic and not be chasing the, not be chasing the business, whatever it happens to be, but just be yourself and find people that naturally fit into that. That authenticity is huge. However, so many people use that word and sometimes mean it, right? Most of them probably mean it, um, but it's become less valuable. Talk about how you, um, how you have people um, project authenticity without having to say it. <laughs> because, you know, if somebody comes up to say, is, yeah. to be honest, yeah. you know what they're about to not do, right? Exactly. And so I think, uh, I, I think it's interesting uh, to, to think about how do, you, how do you present authenticity without having to say it. That's a really great question and a really valid point. Um, one of the things that I had been privileged to do uh, since the start of 2021 was another, a second contract with the Central Carolina Community Foundation. You're very busy. You know, yeah. I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that contract was in conjunction with the Association of Fundraising Professionals. Um, and Jamisha Shackerford, who's with the Community Foundation, had this marvelous idea that we needed a safe space for black indigenous people of color who are in the fundraising field in the Midlands area to have a conversation or multiple conversations about what fundraising looks like to them. Um, and so one of the conversations that we had on a Wednesday, and I'll never forget, um, was on authenticity. Like how can you meet people where they are and mean it and value them, not just their dollar, um, not just their time because they're volunteers, but also how do you how do you stand behind the mission and culture of your organization while presenting your authentic self? Um, for me, I ask questions like authentically. That's who I am. And that's only because I like to get to know people um, when you're having conversations with folks. People can really tell when you're about to BS them like in, in true true form. Um, but when you're having the conversation about authenticity, having the presence of actually being there for the conversation, right? Listening, valuing, um, responding to takeaways, those kinds of things. People are looking for the folks who stand by their word and that is authenticity. Um, but for that, what is your story? What is your word of, of, of like meaning? Like what does that mean to them? Um, and what does that mean to you? You know, like trying to figure out why, why you think the way that you think and why you approach things the way that you do. Um, that is at the core of your authentic being. Mm -hmm. Like having this, this conversation with somebody, not because of what they can do for you, but just because you want to know more about them. Um, and I think that that's where PR shines through. I think that's where marketers can find their sweet spot. Uh, and knowing that whoever you are is going to come out at some point. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. And interested is interesting. That's why I've always heard that. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard that, but that's that's a really good point. Yeah. If I'm interested in you, then you're gonna find me fascinating. Yeah. I, I, I read that in Dale Carnegie. That's uh that's the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That's one of them. Is ah. that 
got to find that. Dude, it's a great book. Um, so I, I think, so talking to you, you're a uh, bright, happy, shining star. Uh, someone that people are attracted to, smile a lot, you look very happy. If you're not that person, like let's say you're kind Mr. of- Mr. Grumpy Pants. Yeah, you're, maybe you're a Gen Xer and you're ag aggravated at the world and all of that kind of, so, you know, sometimes your authentic self is not necessarily what you... I don't want people to know. I don't want people to know how I really feel about things. But I, but I think it's, I think it's, um, I think there's a, uh, I think kind of what you're saying is that, that you can find your, you can find your place, you can find your path, right? Even if you're not, I mean, I, mean, I know some very successful people who aren't bubbly and friendly and happy, right? Um, and so... They're called engineers. Engineers, right, and accountants, <laughs> um, and some lawyers too. So, but, but if you uh, talk about how you, uh, how do you, if your if your natural self doesn't match the the marketplace as it exists, how do you how do you find your your spot? Hmm. That's a really good question. Because so much of success comes down to personality. Right, and you you meet those successful people, and you go, well, obviously that person's successful. Yeah, they got the it factor. Right. The other thing that Dale Carnegie says is remembering people's names because people's names are the uh, are the most important thing that they hear on a daily basis. So uh, that he tells a story. This is written in the 30s. So he tells a story about Franklin Roosevelt could remember everybody's name that he ever met, and that's he says that that's one of the reasons why he's president. It's because he just remembers people's names. Um, but there, there are those tactics that like that, but, but I, I'm interested in the authenticity piece is like if, if your authentic self is not, you know, what the, the market is looking for, how do, you, how do you find your lane? This might push a button or two for some folks. <laughs> I um, like pushing buttons on a podcast. That's <laughs> good. Um, I think it all comes to your passion, mm -hmm. right? Like my passion is people having conversations with people, learning more about them. How can I help you solve your problems? Like that is where I find my ray of sunshine. So first, are you passionate about the work that you're doing? I mean, you know, yeah. there are some number crunchers who are passionate about crunching numbers and I am not that person and that's why I outsource, right? Um, but questioning where, where your passion lies, you know? Um, if this is something and I'll use PR as an example. Um, this is something that I want to do with my life to the point where I decided on a whim that I was going to apply for a contract position um, with another nonprofit and jump and say, hey, entrepreneurship is where I am now um, because that's my passion and that's what fuels me. So the first question I would ask would be, what fuels you? And how can you incorporate that into the work that you're doing every day? And I think what you're saying is that if you find that thing that fuels you, you can find other people that have that same fuel. Yeah. So that you can, so me and the other Gen Xers can get, a, get a re and complain about things. Well, I also think the person who is not, you know, the person who is kind of not in the right f field, I guess you would say, they're not finding their place in the field that they want to be in because they're not, that personality isn't shining through, then they're probably in the wrong field. But at the same time, they probably don't even know. Yeah. Right. And they're probably in the long run not going to be successful. Right. If, right. You, you know, if you're not in the right lane, you'll, you'll, find, you'll feel it when it happens. Yeah. And I know that in the beginning of my business, uh, I, I found this completely by accident. I was a computer science major. I was working for a computer company um, doing some systems work and stuff. 
and I met a guy at a wedding who was a videographer and he, um, I, I was just like, this is really interesting what he's doing. And I met with him, like had lunch or whatever. And he, he went to pay for lunch and he brought out this big roll of cash and rolled off a couple of twenties and paid for lunch. And I was like, okay, like, I, <laughs> like this is interesting, you know? And so, um, I shout out to Charlie Brown. Uh, so I think, um, I think what's really, kind of the key to all of it is like once you find that thing that does light you up makes you as happy as you seem to be uh i think it's i think that's where you're going to find your success and if you're not there then you you have to just keep digging until you until you hit it you know but then also the courage that it takes for you to say i'm gonna go out on my own right and i'm gonna do it and no one's gonna stop me most people don't have that courage. Right. Right. Um, divine intervention, yet again. You mm -hmm. know, I'm, I'm a person of faith, and um, I realized that while I enjoyed raising money for an amazing nonprofit, I knew that that wasn't going to bring me true joy. Mm -hmm. um, but just taking a step back and saying, you have the capabilities, you have the know-how, you're smart, you're passionate, you can do this. Um, and having that conversation with myself and being willing to take that jump was something that I will never forget a day in my life. It is the best thing that has happened to me in 33 years of living. Um, and if you don't have that yet and you don't know where to find like that, think about, again, what makes you satisfied? Where, where does that satisfaction come from? Um, I have a good friend, and, and most of my friends are entrepreneurs. Like, they all own nonprofits, they're business owners, they're musicians, all of these things. Um, but I have one friend who just likes to account. Like, finance is her jam. She doesn't want to do it for herself. She wants to help serve others through that. And that's where her passion is. And that's okay. I think sometimes, especially in this society, and, you know, I, I am an avid Twitter person um, but you see a lot of folks with that LLC Twitter mindset like you need to start a business you need to start your own company you need to do all these things be happy wherever you are um, find that passion find that motivation and in, in wherever you are um, maybe you don't need to have your own consultancy maybe you need to be working in HR at your business and moving up the ladder there um, and I think that so many times people think that oh you have a great idea it could be a business yeah it could be or if they don't have that passion or they don't want to do that that's okay too find your passion wherever you are because that's what's going to give you the fulfillment of life well, if you ever hear a finance person start to talk about finance, it's crazy. They they light up their oh faces, gosh. light up about the numbers, and they just go, "Oh my goodness!" You know, like <laughs> a, like a preacher. Anytime I get a preacher in an interview, um, we we did this piece for Salvation Army in the spring, and um, one of the one of the guys was a pastor that we were interviewing, and he started preaching in the interview. I mean, when I ask him one question, "Why are you involved with Salvation Army?" And he just got going. <laughs> got and happy. he was, and I mean, and Zach was editing this. I mean, the interview, the other interviews are eight, eight, ten minutes. You know, this guy went on for fifteen minutes, just proselytizing, and <laughs> he just got so excited. And I had to stop him. I had to, I had to, I had to like, all right, well, that's cool. Let's bring it back to Salvation Army. Let's talk was, about Salvation Army. I was gonna say, was it my you know? pastor that? You no, no, no. <laughs> I know, I know. But like, but you know, when when you meet a pastor, yeah. you know, that's that's a great example of that. And you know, you know when they when they're called to it. Yeah. I mean, where they. 
and I've met I met them who aren't right. You yeah. know, I mean, you've met they're them who aren't, there. and they and you can tell right away when they're not. Um, but but when they are uh, when they are fired up about the Lord, you they will let you know, <laughs> and you don't get them talking about it unless you want to be there for twenty minutes talking about it. Um, I think all of that stuff is uh, is really interesting, and um, and most of the people who are unhappy in their job are just doing that job to to get to something else. Right. You know. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about, you know, if you're living for the weekend, then you're not living. And, um, and so I think it's so important to, um, to find that passion and to, you know, understand sort of uh, how to tell when it, when it hits you, you know. Um, and I mean, I got into computers that way. For, I, was, I was a music major for the first two years of college and then got a job doing computers over the summer one year. And I was like hooked on it because um, it was the 90s. It was 90. 94 three or four and computers were a new thing you know not everybody had one in their house and all that stuff and so I felt like this is exciting you know and that lasted about two years and then I and then I realized it was really hard like really hard like and my brain is not good for it and so you know that's a that's a hard that's a hard discussion to have with yourself oh, like yeah. I put two years into this and I, I am not suited for it you know so that's a that's a tough one so um, I was going to say that was a really cool, what she said there was a really cool way to end it, I think. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you I, guys for I, having I, I appreciate it. And um, tell us where we can find you. Sure. Um, uh, I am on Facebook and Twitter at Strategic PRC. Um, you can follow my personal journey on Instagram at that Heather Pope. Get it? Because it's Olivia Pope. You can thank one of my friends for giving me that right. nickname. Yeah, that's cool. um, yeah. yeah, you know. Um, and then uh, you can also, if you're interested in my services, you can find me at www.strategicprconsulting.com. Uh, and then uh, my live stream show, Strategy Sessions, airs on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. on Facebook. And if you miss the live stream, have no fears. We have a YouTube channel, and that is Strategic PR Consulting. Um, so thank y'all so much for having me. It's always a pleasure with as told by I mean I've known you for what six years a while yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. So yeah, you know and to see you blossom and thrive as an organization I mean, I'm I'm elated to be here. So thank y'all for that. Well, thank you so much Stay stay tuned. Don't don't touch that dial. Click that subscribe button <laughs> right below. Like, share, comment, subscribe. So I, I always forget that this is going on YouTube eventually. So you know, like I, I forget to tell people to do that. Um, do it. Do the subscribe. Whatever. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not that guy. <laughs> I'm not that guy. I do. Do the subscribe. Do the thing. Do, do the, the thing. thing. I don't you know what to do. I'm do not it. gonna. I'm do not it. gonna tell people you know to do what to do. You click the button and you get to see more of us.